0: The phone. We won't leave until the thing ends But in the meantime, the in-between time If you work your thing, then I work mine We came here together so we could have fun Me and you, baby, going one on one. Now, this is the last chance for us to get off. So, either get loose or you ought to get lost. Cause I'm just about ready to do my thing. Cause I'm a stone cold New York rap machine. I'ma give you what I got, and baby, that's plenty. And never has one man rocked so many. I'ma make you wet and make you sweat. Just to see how funky you can get. Now, when I'm on the mic, I do so well. And I go by the name of the rapper Jollo. Sit back and relax, put on your head a you ready for a trip through the atmosphere gonna take you for a ride through the twilight zone I don't need a spaceship I use my microphone so hold on tight with all your might cause I'll be rocking like this for the rest of the night it's Jalil y'all your yo, master rapper and when I'm on the mic it's a sheer disaster cause MC's crumble when we rumble some think I'm soft just because I'm humble so all you MC's I hope you're real good listeners cause in this battle I'm taking no prison I'm slaying MC's right on the spot cause I'm the master of the rap the doctor of the rock the jack of all trades He's the master of one, and the thing i master is all having fun. We got three minutes left to rock this funk to separate the good stuff from the junk. So get in the groove and feel the sound. And once you're inside, spread yourself around from the bottom to the top, the top to the bottom. Come on, man, get funky while we got it.
1: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Rob the Genius Podcast. Those sounds you heard, to start us off, that was Houdini, Five Minutes of Funk. They're going to be the musical guest for this week. And I figured I would jump right into it because we got some stuff that came through after I finished recording last week's episode. So I figured I'd just get to it here so we can, and so we can get through it and move on. And that involves uh, Major League Baseball because they are... Trying to you know put together a plan to come back, and what's happened is that the owners owners proposed the 82 game schedule, and a 50 50 split of money, of revenue. Now that's a bit of a problem because the players are already getting a prorated you know share of their usual paycheck, so they they've already given up like a third of what they would get for the year because of the coronavirus shutdown. So now now the owners are proposing 50-50 of whatever money they make for this season, which is another big cut because now you got a smaller amount of money that's going to be made, and they're only going to get half of it. you might say well you know well that's still a lot of money for everybody stop being greedy players and to which my answer is okay well how about the owners stop being greedy you know because it's a shame really that when it comes to these issues that so many of the quote-unquote regular people out there side with the owners they side with the people who have the You know, way more money than the players. They side with the people who are going to be in that position of team ownership for decades and who are going to pass the team on to their families and, you know, keep that thing going for who knows how long. You know, they side with them versus the players who have a short window to make money. And yes, they do make a lot of money. But... You know, they have anywhere from three to, you know, maybe 15 at the most to get paid. And so they should absolutely be about, you know, getting whatever money is entitled, they're entitled to because they don't have long to do this. And they especially have every right to stand up when the owners try to screw them, which is what's happening with this. I mean, honest. look, this is the owners are trying to take advantage of the situation to sneak this in. And then once it's in, they're going to try to make it permanent. And the baseball owners are not the, you know, particularly honest brokers. They've been busted a couple of times for collusion. So they're not honest brokers here. And there's every reason to not trust this and to not want to go along with it. Now, what's happened to kind of accentuated is of you know, the picture of Lake Snell, who you know came out very strongly against this and you know went on a bit of a you know rant, for lack of a better word, saying that you know. Hey, this is that's not enough. You know, we're taking a real risk out there and that offer is not enough for the risk that we're taking. And when you think about it, he's right. Good luck when you when you sign up to play. Right, you, I mean you yes, I mean you do risk injury like, you know, sprain ankle torn ACL, torn rotator cuff, maybe even concussion. Yes, those are those are you know, acceptable risks that you agree to take when you sign a contract. None of these guys signed a contract to, to play in a pandemic, during a pandemic. So that is, yes, that is extra hazard, extra risk they are taking on top of the usual thing. So they have every right to want to negotiate the price that they think is fair to account for all of that. And, you know what? I mean, the owners, the owners should give it to them. Because look, I mean, the owners are not going to be out there on the field, you know, possibly infecting each other. The owner is going to be, they either be up in the owner's box, or they may not be there at all. They might be home. while this is going on. So the only people taking the risk here are the players and the staff, and the people at the building, at the arena or at the baseball stadium, or wherever they have the games. So the players are right to not just take whatever the owners offer them the first time, particularly when the when the owners have a history of documented history being dishonest. as fans gotta stop siding with the owners whenever there's a labor dispute because nine times out of ten the owners are trying to pull some shenanigans on the players and they count on you to get mad at the players and that's how they get away with stuff because they know you just want to see the games happen. And so, you know, they make some whack offer and then they then, you know, they kind of leak to the press through some of their friendly media folks that, hey, we're almost close to a deal. And in that way, when the players balk, it looks like it's the players fault for holding things up. Y'all got to do better than to keep falling for that. OK, you really do, especially now. All right, and because you know I've said this several times before, you know, you know baseball is just kind of tip of the iceberg, right? I mean, when the NFL is making is you know making their decision on what they're going to do, I mean that's the you know eight hundred pound gorilla or whatever in the room, because you know if they get close and it looks like they they're ready to go and the players come in at the last minute and they're like, wait a minute, you know, y'all got to do a little better than that. You know, they're going to open fire in the media on the players and they're going to do everything they can to portray the players as the one holding everything up. And look, you can't do social distancing with football, all right? Whenever they start, whether they start in September on schedule or they don't start until November – or they don't have a season at all until next year. I mean, you can't do social distancing football. They're taking a risk. They're going to be out there. And look, I, I don't think they're going to start on time in September. I think if they do have a season, it'll be late. It'll, it'll start like in November or something. But it's still going to be a risk. This thing is not going to be over. <laughs> okay? Just because, you know, people talk about reopening it doesn't mean it is actually safe to do it. So... They're going to be out there. It's gonna. They're going to be taking a risk. They're not going to be able to dis- have any kind of distancing. They're going to be all up in each other's faces. And somebody's going to get infected. If they play. And. Well I said. Yeah, I said the baseball owners aren't really honest brokers. Well neither are the NFL owners. Like these are the people who lied to the players. About the effects of concussions for years. When they had the research. So. I fully expect them to lie to us in this fall and tell us that they have some type of system in place where things can go, can operate safely, and I fully expect them to lie to us again when someone in- inevitably gets infected. So, with that in mind, should the NFL players you know, try to haggle over some money, you should take their side too. Because whereas you know where the baseball players are taking a risk, the NFL players are almost guaranteed somebody's gonna get sick out there. And they should be compensated accordingly. (laughs) You know, don't owners are not your friends. They're not yeah, I know players can be irritating sometimes or whatever, but the owners are not your friends. And there's no reason why you should identify more with the owners than the players. The players are a lot closer to being like me and you than the owners ever will be. Now, um, with that, <laughs> yeah, I'm um, going to take a little break here. Going to get back with some more Houdini. Going to talk about them a little bit. And then we will keep it moving.
0: The words love and light both have four letters, but they're two different things all together. Cause I've liked and ladies in my day, but just like the wind, they've all blown away. See, to love someone, it's an atmosphere that you both still share when one's not there. There's no real way it can be explained. I guess it's the way I smile when I hear your name. It's the little things you do that means so much. The care that you put into every touch It's the way I trust you and you trust me I guess some of us are so lucky I was no... Hand. I was known as a stone-cold ladies man If it wasn't for you, I'd be that way still But well, lately, there's a change in Jalil Though so my friends play games and tease me a lot I know I'm more than happy with what I've got When I get up in the morning and go to work See, all day long, I stay alert Until we come home at night and close the doors Two people share one common call When I say one love, you can trust me Because never have I been so lucky one love, one love. You're lucky just to have just one
1: love. One love, one love. You're lucky just to have just one One love, one love. You're lucky just to have just one love. One love, one love. You're lucky just to have just one love. All right, so that was one love from Houdini. That was from their album Escape. Uh, that was, you know, their album that had the most hit songs off of it and that was one of them <laughs> and so we're, we're gonna stick to sports here for a while this is, this is gonna be a sports heavy show this week and in particular what I wanted to get to next was this proposal that was cooked up by one of the NFL committees or whatever and it's being sent to the owners where they are going where they are proposing that in order to diversify the you know coaching and front office level on more teams they will reward teams that hire a minority coach or general manager they will manager they will reward them with draft picks. Or a better draft position, or something. And that's one of those things that to for it to even make it from being mentioned at a meeting to being a, to getting a full-fledged, you know, delivery to the owners for a vote is crazy. I mean, it's crazy because this sounds like I mean, you know, it just seems like a wacky stunt, right? And it is kind of a wacky stunt. But... You know, it's also a commentary on... Just how... The NFL has failed in this area. I mean, you know, we still have the Rooney Rule. And it's been in place for years now. And... Understand that was a compromise... That was reached because you know the Fritz Pollard Alliance, that was you know led by late Johnny Cochran, were about to unload a major like lawsuit on the league. So this was reached as as so the Rooney Rule was a compromise to avoid that. You know, and basically the Rooney Rule, the Rooney Rule for those of y'all who, may not know, is a rule that says that they have to interview. A person of color, when they're choosing, when they're going through their selection process for a head coach or general manager, they have to interview some people who are not white. And that was reached as a compromise because in a lot of instances they weren't interviewing us. You know, they, or in a lot of instances they were just. You know, they might have even decided on someone and then just hired them off to, you know, without any type of interviews or anything because they, they that's just who they wanted. And, you know, we were getting completely shut out of the process. So the Rooney Rule was agreed upon. And so now they have to interview one of us but what's been happening is that a lot of these interviews end up just being token interviews and they still picked a white guy anyway or, you know, they interviewed one of us just for the sake of complying with the rule but with no intention of actually hiring us <clears throat> so you're still in a you know, we're still in the same boat where you know, the even in a league where over sixty percent of the players are black, and you know a large part of your you know coaching pool comes from former players, there the numbers don't match up. And look, it doesn't have to be exactly. It doesn't have to be you know sixty five percent of the players are black, so sixty five percent of the head coaches should be black. It doesn't have to be that, but. If sixty-five percent of your players are black and former players, be it an NFL or in college, are your make up a large part of your coaching pool, then you shouldn't have, you know, two or three black head coaches. Right, that's only ten that's what, ten percent? Um, you shouldn't or in some some seasons it's only one. There there have been seasons where it was just Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. Which is, what, like 3% or something? Yeah. yeah. And, it, you know, it's got to do better than that. And you end up with those lopsided kind of numbers because when you, when you have those lopsided kind of numbers, you know, that, that, that means that people are just not trying, basically. That means that people have the the owners have decided that they don't care. That's what happens when you have, you know, you know, that, those kind of low numbers. It means that the people doing the doing the hiring just don't care. The only way you change that is, basically, you gotta force people's hand. Because, you know, when you have, you know, success in diversifying either your overall talent pool, or your kind of management level, what what that usually comes because either. Some white person in some position of authority either takes it upon themselves to diversify the field, or they get forced to. And this proposal to reward, you know, teams for doing it is kind of a halfway point. You're not forcing them to do it, but you're giving, but you're but you're giving them a reward try to incentivize them to do it now what's probably going to happen is that they're not going to do it anyway at least some of them won't they, they they just won't they don't care I mean and that's the real problem the real problem is that they don't care to do it that they are perfectly happy just picking who they are naturally more comfortable with and the numbers can be embarrassing and they really don't care because a lot of owners, when they hire a head coach or they hire a general manager, you know, they're thinking of who do, who do they feel comfortable palling around with. You know, or, you know, or who do they feel comfortable having, you know, walking around the building? And who do they, who do they feel comfortable seeing in a position of authority? And in our society, kind of the default image of the person in charge is a white guy. And to be honest, it's not just white people that feel more comfortable than that have plenty of us feel more comfortable with a white person in charge. Yeah, you know, as crazy as that may sound, it just we're all just kind of used to it. And so it becomes the default, and you can't. tell You know, if you're going to change that, to shake it up, you have, like, it doesn't change on its own, right? Um, it, you know, we've we, we sat around for years and years and years, thinking that, you know, it maybe it'll just change on its own. You know, we kind of deluded ourselves into thinking that we are, you know. Evolved and enlightened more than we used to be. And as as the last couple of years have shown, that is not the case. But it's not going to fix itself. So you just have to, you have to force people's hand. And that's why as wacky as this thing sounds, it's... It or something like it is necessary, and to be honest, I don't think this is going to be enough because I think the owners are still going to hire who they, you know, they're not going. I don't think the owners are going to budge. The owners are still going to pick who they feel comfortable with, and that's that. And when they do hire, if this thing becomes a rule, a rule then I can almost guarantee you when the owners do hire one of us to be a head coach or general manager it won't be to get the draft pick it'll be just because that's just what they wanted to do but you know something's better than nothing if nothing else I mean it puts the subject back in the conversation here because we can't let up on this and look, when it comes to matters of race, we can never let up. Because here's the thing. There are people who want there are people who want to go backward. There are people who do not want to go forward. Okay? It's not you know, people who want to go forward and then people who are indifferent. There are people who adamantly do not want to go forward and there are people who adamantly want to go backwards. So we have to... You know, we can never let up on this stuff. And that's just just the way it is. And with that... We'll move on. I will come back with some more Houdini for you. And then we'll move on to the next subject. Which I have not decided upon yet. (laughs) Because it is a Saturday as I'm recording this. And I've told you before, I don't record this all in one sitting. It's kind of a rolling kind of thing. So... Uh, I will give myself time to think of something else, or for something else to show up, and you know, me decide to talk about it, so I'll be right back.
0: What's all about? But if you like, then tell all your friends.
1: Before I get to the Bulls documentary stuff, just gonna do a few few plugs and shout outs here. Uh, I was on Chair Shot Radio on a special edition of The Outsider's Edge. Uh, We talked about the uh, NBA all time top 10, and we did a little wrestling talk about this situation or beef between. Mark Henry and Lil Rush, Uh, I was a guest of my man Ray Cash, again, that's on Chair Shot Radio, uh, they're on the blog talk, I think that's who hosts them, but, you know, they're also on, like, Google Play and some other places, (coughs) and so, go check me out there with Ray Cash, and now, just to give a few shout-outs to some, uh, my fellow programs here on Anchor. Dial uh, man to the rant. They're kind of on a break, but they'll be back. Uh, it's hosted by a Twitter friend of mine, Anthony Stefano, And he also hosts another one called Wiz, WIT, uh, W-H-I-Z and then W-I-T. Uh, there it talks about Philly sports. Uh, there's Nerdicons, show I've been on a couple times. They talk about Movies, TVs, TV, <laughs> collectibles, and things of that nature. <clears throat> been on there a few times, hope to be back in the future. And a uh, new one had just started. A couple more Twitter friends of mine, uh, Suplexes and the Shea Butter. They just, they talk wrestling and a bunch of other things. Go check them out. They just, uh, they've been doing a YouTube thing for a while, but uh, they just started the, uh, the, straight-up podcasting deal. (coughs) Go check them out. They're on Anchor, uh, and they should be on Spotify soon if they're not there already. So those are just some friends of mine out here in podcast land. Uh, Also, uh, is These Wrestling Girls. That's another one. uh, Some ladies that do a podcast about wrestling. They... bunch of really cool stuff they do, so check all those people out when you're not listening to me, and uh, now before I get to the post-documentary thing, (coughs) uh, me and Ray didn't really finish off the top 10, because we had to move to the wrestling topic, so we got to number 4, and the top three in the ESPN list were Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, number three; LeBron, number two; Jordan, number one. Now, <clears throat> you know, Jordan versus LeBron is like been the debate of debates for a while now, and I think that does a disservice to Kareem, to be honest. I mean, Kareem has every bit of a claim on number one as either of them do. They. He's got six titles like Mike. He's got a bunch of MVPs. He's like a 19-time All-Star. He's all-time leading scorer in NBA history. <clears throat> and not to mention... Uh, well, Kareem has the best start-to-finish basketball playing career of anyone. He started out in New York City at Power Memorial High School. And they won everything you could possibly win there... best player in the country he went to UCLA played on the varsity for three years won the national championship every time then he went to the NBA (coughs) had six titles a bunch of MVPs 19 time all star all time leading scorer so he has as much of a claim and, you know, best NBA player of all time, <coughs> as Jordan and LeBron do. And honestly, right now, I mean, I would put him ahead of LeBron because, again, there's the issue of accomplishment, of accomplishments. Now, LeBron has been to the finals eight times, has won three times. Kareem went to the finals, he won six, and then he went another... One, two, three times, I believe, with the Lakers. So I believe that is nine times in the finals. So he's got a better finals record than LeBron. And he doesn't have that stinker of a finals that LeBron had against Dallas. And when you talk about LeBron's career, that is going to forever be a black mark on his career. Because you cannot escape that. They were the favorites against Dallas. And he went out there and he got D'd up by the likes of J.J. Barea. <clears throat> and, you know, there's just... There's no equivalent of that for any of the other all-time players great the people you mentioned him alongside. <coughs> there just isn't. So, you know, that's always going to hang over him. So, unless, you know, he's going to have to score a bunch of more points before he finishes. Going to have to win at least one more ring, I think, before he finishes. But, yeah, you know, before... To me, you can really put him in that conversation. To me, one and two are Jordan and Kareem. You can pick which one you want, right? Um, <clears throat> that's Yeah, I mean, which I, whoever you want to pick between Jordan and Kareem, I think is up to you. I would not fight you on either one. Now, I'd be more inclined to go with Jordan because a lot of those Lakers teams that won the championship was not the main guy okay and he was not final MVP on it you know he may have been like once or twice but you know (coughs) he was not the number one guy on those teams even even when he was leading scorer you know he had magic yet worthy and on you know well Jordan was the number one guy on every Bulls team from the time you know from the day he arrived there to the day he left So, you can't discount that. Or, you know, I think that has to be good for something if you're comparing <coughs> him against other people, against somebody like Kareem. But, things that you want to pick Kareem, I'm not arguing with you. Kareem has the resume and skill set as a player and all of that to warrant being picked number one over saying that he's the best overall. So no shame there. I mean, or there's no, you know, to me there's no disputing if you want Kareem or Jordan, either one. Would not pick LeBron right now. You know, is he number three? I don't know. I mean, that's. I think uh, that Bill Russell number four. You know, I mean, you know, me and Ray we we argued, you know, we we debated Bill Russell versus more recent people so you can listen to the to that show for that but you know yeah i think right now i think at best lebron is three not one or two got to do a little more there king james and with that take another break after some houdini i will come back and then i will talk to the bulls documentary.
0: okay and they treat you real cool and some mistake your kindness for being the fool we like to be with some because they're funny others come around when they need some money some you grew up with around the way and you're still real close to this very day homeboys through the summer winter spring and fall and then there's some we wish we never knew at all and this list goes on again and again but these are the people that we call friends
1: Right, we're back that was a funky beat from Back in Black of course that is not the first album to be named Back in Black by <laughs> a musical group the other one is ACDC and um, there might be some other ones as far as I know but I wanted to touch for a minute on yeah, you know I guess subjecting ourselves to Bad stuff. And I'm saying I'm you know, I came to mind because this week does a... Uh, you know, that wrestling kind of documentary series Dark Side of the Ring covered all in art. Yeah, well this was and you know, specifically what happened the night he died. And like I muted everything related to that episode on my Twitter feed because I just did not want to see the discourse over that over what happened that night and over just the ridiculous this of you know Owen Hart going into the WWE Hall of Fame that, I mean just, there's just been just ridiculous Twitter discourse about that I mean thankfully I haven't seen a whole lot of it because you know I I don't follow the people who have been driving that argument, and I don't, you know, I keep that stuff off of my feed, but it's still bad, I mean, and, you know, I saw a couple of screenshots of what people are saying, and, um, look, I'm glad I muted all that stuff. Now, as far as that episode itself, I didn't watch, um, I remember when it happened, at the time, That was back when you had, you know, we're still in the Monday Night Wars was still going on. You know, WWE had pulled ahead. And as it turned out, they would never fall behind again. But, you know, they were still, you know, every month there was a WCW pay-per-view. There was a WWF pay-per-view. And I was ordering both. That's that's what you can do when you, you found good, steady employment, but you're still living at your parents' house. Yeah, you can do stuff like order two pay-per-views every month at, you know, fifty bucks a pop. Wouldn't recommend that now. But uh For whatever reason I did not order that one. And I guess maybe it was just because you know, whatever matches they were gonna have, I don't know, just wasn't nothing really jumping out at me or whatever. But I didn't so I didn't see it when it happened. But you know, the next morning, you know, I, well, I used to, you know, go on all the websites and to read about wrestling news and whatnot. And so, you know, it was the big story there, what had happened. And it just, it was it a was big story, you know, well, obvious, for obvious reasons. So, you know, I read all about what happened then and in the days after. Um yeah, I had no just had no desire to relive any of that now. You know, twenty over you know twenty one years later, just had no desire to relive any of that. Yeah, you know, I made that choice not to because I think it's just well Yeah, you know, I heard that I saw a term on Twitter used to describe that whole series called trauma porn. And I think that's right. You know, it's something you. I mean, like, you. It's not healthy. I don't, you know, I don't think it's healthy at all. I think that we're bombarded now with way too much stuff that is not put out there to really enlighten us or inform us. It's put out there because it triggers, you know, certain. Emotional responses, and those responses—those responses—essentially keep you coming back to the source. I mean, you know, I mean, it's definitely true as far as like cable news, especially during you know the, the past few months and past few years has has been all about that. You know, a lot of instances, you know, like your Twitter feed is programmed to essentially hit you with stuff that, you know, sets off certain emotions and certain emotional responses that in turn keep you plugged into your Twitter feed. Yeah, I mean, it's like, basically it's like a drug, and, it, you know, and they... It, you. And you get hit with it and it gives you that high, that kind of emotional triggered response, and then you come back for more. And it's it's literally programmed so that you get hit with stuff that make it keeps you there. So when it comes to, you know, series like this, it's the same kind of thing, right? You watch it. They hit you with some real bad stuff. They hit you. It, it sets off you know, all those emotional responses and whatnot. And then you come back for more next week. And then you know, and to expand on it, you know, you know, you get, you watch it, you get those responses. Then you go to your Twitter feed, and you unload. You know, your kind of reactions, and then other people are unloading all their reactions and then you're, like, feeding on each other. And I don't think that's healthy. Now, look, I'm not a, you know, medical professional or anything. I'm not a, you know, mental health professional or anything, but... Yeah, you know, I know for me, you know, like, with all this coronavirus stuff, it just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. You know, when I... When I was taking all that, when I was taking all of that in, all day, you know, I ended up having panic attacks. Just and it was from the information overload, and just the you know the gloom and doom and you know and all of that, and I just don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's a good idea to just keep taking all that stuff in. And look, we don't have to take it in, right? I mean, you know, you can you can get the facts of the story or the, the facts of whatever the current information is on the coronavirus, you can get that without subjecting yourself to this, this kind of nonstop, rapid-fire, emotionally-triggering, you know, medium... That in turn does not help your mental health. Yeah, but but it's addictive because of kind of the, the, the rush that it gives you. But in turn, it it drags you down, and it's not healthy. You know, so my kind of response to all of this is, you know, back away from some of that because you don't i mean it it it, it too much of it I mean, I don't, and look I don't know what the right amount even is but too much of it is not good for you and too much of it doesn't help you know reading all day every, seeing every tweet on your feed that comes up about you know somebody getting in, in, infected with covid-19 and going to the ICU, and being put on the ventilator, and passing away, I, you know, we, do we need to know that that stuff's going on, well, obviously, yes, but, do you need to be hit with every story, do you need to be hit with, do you need to be hit with, you know a hundred tweets an hour about it no that's not good just like, like do you need to watch you know a five hour block of cable news where they just you know go over and over and over and you know then they show the president's press conference and they you know and if you're not a if if, if you're not a fan of the president and then watching those briefings and press conferences or meetings he has with people that are you know, broadcast if you're not a fan of the president, those things can be traumatizing in themselves, just listening to him talk you know, and then you turn on the news and then, or you like I said, you're you're on your Twitter feed and there's another thing about well, you know this state's about to reopen, even though the, the numbers haven't really gone down and you know, this place tried reopening and now they got to close again because a bunch of people came down with the virus. And it's like, do you need to know that's going on? Yes, you do. But you don't need, you know, 50 tweets about it in an hour. Right. That that's not, you're not any more informed on the 50th one, you know, than, than you were on the eighth one. Alright, you watch cable news, you're not informed, You're you're not more informed at the end of the fifth block, or the fifth hour of cable news, you're not any more informed than you are after maybe the second hour. You know, I just, you're not, as someone who used to watch four and five hour blocks of cable news, you're not more informed. It's it's basically it's in, it's it's infotainment, and it's there to again to, to trigger certain responses in you that make you want to come back and keep watching, and that's not healthy. So my recommendation is the. I mean, I'm not saying never watch any of that stuff or never watch Dark Side of the Ring or you know or delete your Twitter I'm not saying to do all of that but you gotta recognize when that stuff's having an effect on you and when it is you gotta cut back cause it's not trust me it's, it's not healthy you know do something else <laughs> you know Read a, read something that doesn't have to do with that, you know. Watch something on TV that doesn't have to do with that. You know, listen to some music or something or play a game on your phone or, a, you know, your, but if you've got a video game console, play it on there or whatever, right? It's not healthy just to be in front of your Twitter feed all day or all night. Or to be watching cable news all night, it just isn't. You know, it's not healthy to just, you know, keep watching these tragic stories over and over and over. Right? I, I don't think we're doing ourselves any favors here, folks. I don't. And with that, time to move on. I'll be back after some more Houdini. segment, I kind of figured uh, Escape would be a pretty fitting song to put in between segments here. (coughs) And, uh, well, got a little bit more to talk about here. Um, Got hit that uh, Bulls documentary, you know, this week where the last two chapters are 9 and 10. And I guess the, the Biggest thing for me, the, or the most interesting part of it, was the whole you know, Dennis Rodman wrestling thing. Of course, that's because I'm a wrestling fan. <laughs> and um, I forgot that he had missed practice. And that, <clears throat> well, he, he missed practice. He got on a plane, flew to where Nitro was happening, and Came out with Hulk Hogan and the NWO, and it had been just it had been, it had not been announced. I think maybe they had announced that they were doing the match at the, the beach. We you know with Hogan and Rodman against. I think it was the uh, Diamond Dallas Page and Carl Malone. I think they might have announced that or that, or that maybe that Dennis was going to be back but nobody expected him to show up during the finals. Just that, you know, that just wasn't going to happen. I mean, nobody expected that. So when he came out, I mean, it was like a OMG kind of moment. <coughs> and then, you know, he came out, and, you know, at first, like, well, man, you know, like, it was shocking. And, you know, then after that, I was like, "Okay, well, he's probably just gonna walk down to the ring with them and all that." But then he got in on the action. He was, you know, laying in some chair shots and dropping elbows on people, and to do that in the middle of the finals—I mean, he could—I he, mean, he could hurt himself and not be able to play. And yet, you know, he came out there, he did that, and you know, with Phil Jackson and the team couldn't really make a big fuss about it because uh you know Phil knew that Dennis needed you know his ways to kind of blow off steam and so he let him do it Yeah, I mean that's how Phil was just unique as a coach because you know probably no other NBA coach would have done that would have stood for that but Phil I guess you know he's you know some say he saw himself as kind of a kindred spirit in Rodman and he knew Dennis needed to do that. So he let him do it. And in return, you know, Dennis was focused. You know, well game time. And that's what mattered. And, you know, Phil got that better than anybody. <clears throat> yeah, so as much as I hate Phil, as you know, because he was the coach of the <laughs> Chicago Bulls, they were the enemy for all us Knicks fans. So I was... Even though he played for the Knicks when he was a player, but whatever he, you know, he's on the wrong team this time. <clears throat> but even though he was, he he handled Dennis better than any coach other than Chuck Daly. And when Chuck Daly had Dennis, Dennis hadn't turned into the, you know, big celebrity phenomenon that he was later. But, you know, it's just to Phil's credit that he was able to manage all that without going crazy and without, you know, getting in this type of pissing contest with Dennis. Now, moving right along. You now I got some, uh, some movie stuff to talk here, which was unexpected earlier this week, but hey, some stuff happened and here we go. First of all, the uh <laughs> the infamous Snyder cut of <laughs> the Justice League movie will be on the HBO Max streaming deal next year. Now <clears throat> boy let me tell you um 2016 was a war zone over you know the Zack Snyder movies and you know the particularly the you know DC comics movies he directed and I mean it, it was just nasty because you know Batman versus Superman came out and critics just dumped all over it a bunch a lot of bloggers and you know prominent people on Twitter. Dumped all over it, and you know there was only, you know, well at least on Twitter anyway, and you know, and uh, amongst movie critics, um, there was just a very small minority of people who actually thought the movie was good. good. And I think when you get beyond those kind of, when you get beyond that, them. <clears throat> You know, I mean there You know, I talked to plenty of people who liked it and thought it was good and some other people thought it was you know, okay or whatever. But the you know the Twitter discourse over that movie in particular was just downright poisonous. And I mean oof, like, I mean if you came on there and said, Yeah, I think this is really good, man, that was a good way to get buried. And if you came on there and said you liked it better than one of the Marvel movies, oh good lord, your mentions would be on fire, and not in a good way. So, you know, that came and went, and it didn't make as much money as it was supposed to, <clears throat> and obviously that was because of the because, because of the reactions. Then, you know, that kind of there were, you know there were all these rumors and stories about the, you know, Warner Brothers executives, you know, getting testy or antsy or whatever. And then, you know, Zack Snyder's daughter committed suicide in like early 2017 while, you know, going through the kind of the editing process or the kind of post-production stuff or whatever. So, you know, Zach bowed out. And of course, some people will tell you he got fired. Then, they brought in Joss Whedon to finish it. Finished product ended up being much different than the version that Zach was creating. And, you know, it got out that it was a whole lot different. You know, then, Justice League tanked and that was a lot of that was because there was just a lot of bad will lingering from Batman versus Superman. There was a you know over a year's worth of just bad press <coughs> towards that and you know towards Justice League. Then there was all the stuff with the reshoots and it was just a deluge of bad news. And then you know, the Justice League the movie itself, the one that got released in theaters. I mean it didn't get crushed like Batman vs. Superman by critics, but it got it it didn't get treated very well either. And on top of that, there are some very devoted Zack Snyder fans who were not happy that he didn't get to finish the movie. And a lot of them sat out sad out do. So Justice League tanked. You know, and then as then as that was going on, you know, the rumors of <coughs> the existence of the so called Snyder cut, you know, became a bigger and bigger thing. You know, the hashtag on Twitter released the Snyder cut, you know, became a big deal. And while <coughs> there were plenty of, you know, reasonable, level headed people, probably you know, that Just wanted to see what he did. Just wanted him to get a chance to finish it, maybe, and and all. And just, you know, see what see what the differences were. And, you know, hope the and and all. There was a very vocal section of fans who were absolutely terrible about this and who went out there and they you know they were <clears throat> every day they were talking nasty about Joss Whedon, talking nasty about Jeff Johns from DC Comics. They were just crushing all of the. You know, just Am came out next, and they just jumped all over it and just said all types of nasty things about it without, without even having seen the movie. You know because that was you know supposedly the first step of the new direction for the you know DC movies and they took offense to that so you know I don't know if they actually went through with boycotting Shazam but I'm guessing a lot of them didn't go to see it and while it did okay um it probably I mean it should have made more than it did um you know, wouldn't go as far as called a failure, but, you know, it could have stood to have made more money than it did. And, <clears throat> you know, the, so the pressure kept coming from these folks. And, you know, the discourse got really nasty because they were pumping it hard. You know, at least the Snyder Cut. And then, you know, people who didn't like any of Zack's movies to start with. There was a lot of pushback from them saying, why don't y'all shut up? It's going to suck anyway. Why do y'all care? Why are y'all pushing this? Y'all are just delusional. Y'all are sad. Y'all need to give up. It's not happening. Um, It doesn't, doesn't exist anyway. And, you know, that went on and on. And then finally, this week, we get an announcement from from Zach himself and from Warner Brothers that it's going to happen. Now, <clears throat> you know, the discourse hasn't gotten quite as bad yet. Now, of course, I've muted and blocked some people and whatnot, so I don't see a lot of it. But, you know, the, the same shooting match that was going on before has, you know, st- started up a little bit again. You know, the people who don't like what Zack Snyder did are already saying, well, it's gonna stink anyway. And it didn't really exist like y'all saying it did, because you know, Warner Brothers is giving him another you know, reporters twenty to thirty million dollars to finish it. So, you know, that's led to some people saying that well it wasn't finished. There was there, there you know, there never was an actual Snyder cut because it wasn't finished anyway. And it's gonna stink anyway, so why are y'all being so gung-ho about this? And I mean, look, my take is this it's just a movie, folks. Right? I mean, yeah, some of the people who were pushing for it were jerks and were beyond jerks. They were some of them were really nasty, awful people on social media. Okay, yes, that is true. But You know, there's no need for y'all to rain on the parade for everybody else. I mean, there are some people who just want to see how how it is. Who just want to see how it turned out. Which, I mean, I'm one of those people. Like, you know, I, I was not pushing for it. And I actually happened to like the Justice League movie just fine for what it was. No, I didn't think it was a great movie, but <clears throat> I thought it was fine. It's a perfectly watchable movie. And it even has some moments that I thought were very good. But, you know, I didn't... I was not out here pushing for the Snyder Cut. My take has always been that if it was... If there was something close to a finished movie that they could do, and they wanted to put it out, then yeah, I'd check it out. Then yeah, I was going to watch it. Now, so what we're getting here is kind of middle ground. It's not... It's not a finished movie. But it's not like a whole new thing from scratch either. So... I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know that I'll get an HBO Max subscription just for that. I I think I'm probably going to get one anyway. But, (laughs) you know, it's... I mean, why not? I mean, just go into it open-minded. I mean, it might be good. And if it's not, who cares? I mean, is it really that serious? Is it really that serious? That you're gonna walk into this, you know, with your mind made up because you didn't like what he did before. Is it that serious? That you're gonna walk in with your mind made up and your reviews already written and all of that and just so you can, you know, dunk on people who have been, you know, who are enthusiastic about it. I mean, look, yes, and yes, some people are going to watch it. And they're in the tank for Zach. And they're going to watch it. And they're going to say it's great anyway. Regardless of how good or bad it might be. They're going to say it's great. They're going to say it's better than MCU. And I know it's going to drive you crazy. And you're going to want to dunk on those people on Twitter or whatever. I know. Yes, I know. It ain't that serious. It really ain't that serious. And look, I mean, if you're that dead set against it happening, then just don't watch. Don't watch it you know, don't watch it, don't review it, don't talk about it, right, just don't do any of that, don't give it any publicity, you know, but don't do the thing where you hate it, but you know it's going to get you traffic, so you're going to hate watch it, and then you're going to, you know, go on and on about how terrible it is, like, don't do that. that, that sucks, that's, you know. That's a whack thing to do. It really is. But I know some of y'all are going to do that. Because you can't help yourselves. Because. You know. Just that you're as enthusiastic. you, You are as. Committed. To it being terrible. As you know. The Zack Snyder. Diehards are committed to it being great. And you're two sides of the same coin. You're going to say it's terrible no matter how good or bad it is, just like they're going to say it's great no matter how good or bad it is. My well, guess it'll be somewhere in between, and you know there'll be some stuff in there. Like I said, you know there was a lot of stuff where there were choices he made as far as characterizations and you know directions, to plot directions. Yes, there were choices that he made that were really bold and and all, and it rubbed a whole lot of people the wrong way and I'm guessing he, this will have some of those in there and you're not going to like them okay and so if you're really you know if you if you just if you really don't want to deal with it then don't I mean look some of y'all have really good websites and good podcasts and everything already you don't need to add this in there for traffic Right, you don't need you don't need to hate watch it, and then hate review it <clears throat> for traffic. I mean, really, y'all can really just let it let it ride and not worry about it. You know I mean? Look, I don't know about y'all, but I can't do hate reviews. Hate reviews, I, I can't. If I straight up know I'm or if I straight up know or straight up feel like I'm not gonna just not gonna like something, then I don't watch it. And I don't listen or I don't listen to it, I don't play it, I don't read it. Life's too short to devote an inordinate amount of time to something you are already on you know on the negative side for before you even try it. <coughs> you know, look, the way I look at it is, if I'm that if I'm that dead set against it before I even get to it, then I'll just skip it, and if that means I miss out and I miss out, you know. And if somebody, if enough people tell me later that it was really good and I should try it, then maybe I'll give it a try and see, you know, and be open minded enough. But if you're not going to be that way, then just don't, then just don't watch it. It's not that serious you know if you're like I said if, you, if your website or your podcast is good enough already and gets good enough traffic anyway then you don't need it so save yourself the aggravation save yourself the you know picking fights on twitter about it with people and you know stick to something you'd rather you'd enjoy Because when you choose to go down that path, then you're not a whole lot better than the people you're fighting against. You're really not. And that's the thing about social media. One of the things about social media is that it kind of incubates confrontation. And, you know, it kind of makes you want to have... you know, it it kind of gets people to put out takes just for the sake of stirring the pot, and you don't have to do that, and you don't have to respond to the people doing that either. So again, save yourself some aggravation, and just you know, if you if you're not here for it, then just skip it. You know, don't just, you know, don't get it. If you weren't going to get an HBO Max subscription, but then you feel like you got to get one or get the free trial or whatever just so you can watch this and dump on it, why are you doing that? Seriously, I mean, grow up. Seriously. It ain't that serious. Seriously, it ain't that serious. <laughs> You know the last thing before I move on. um, There's a little poll on one of these sites about whether or not people would be, you know, would prefer to watch new movies at home or at the theater, and like seventy percent said at home. But the caveat is that the price was ten dollars. That's not happening, folks. Okay, you know, Black Widow comes out. They're not going to offer it to you at home for ten dollars, or you know, Top Gun. Or Fast Nine or whatever, you you're not you're not gonna get to watch it first run at home for ten dollars. Alright, if watching first run movies at home is gonna ever become a thing, I mean I mean first run blockbusters at home is ever gonna become a thing, then there's gonna have to be a price point that studios are okay with. Because otherwise it's just not gonna happen. They're not gonna charge you ten you're not gonna to get to watch those for ten dollars. Okay, so better think about what you be willing to pay. I'd pay twenty. Think about what you'd be willing to pay. And then you know, then we can talk. Now with that, okay, um almost time to get out of here. Come put another couple songs on for you, and we're done. Be right back.
0: you wanna fucking beat, why not use mine? I be rockin' fucking beat all the time. So now's the time, and this is the chance. Cause the next second might not make you dance. Cause fuck ain't nothing for the four letter words. The Weighs at least a pal. You heard it was a drone roll, it wasn't clear in your eye. But tell me the truth, are you that surprised? We make beats with rhythm and rhythm with beat. Hear my records in the club as well as the streets. So to all your MCs, it's looking for idols. To little my name, mathematics, my title. This beat here will be served and deserved. We'll rock on point and turn all curves. We'll rock every beat with the greatest of ease. And if you're trying, drone roller. All the we, read, we'll slip fence, tear off our shirt, just to show you what it's like when a rapper's at work. So from now until the man who we feel is gonna go rocking on the wheel still right
1: All right, we're back, and um, <clears throat> almost time to wrap it up here. Would like to give condolences to the family of Shad Gaspar. He was a former WWE wrestler. He had gone into acting and a bunch of other stuff. He'd written some things, and he unfortunately drowned this past weekend. He was at the beach with the sun. They Got caught in the tide current and he died saving his son. You know, he got his son to the lifeguard and then he got carried under. Um, you know, Shad was part of a tag team, it was crime time, and I was not watching during their whole run, so I don't really have an you know, opinion of one way or the other about them as wrestlers. um. But from all accounts, I mean, there have been accounts just from people who knew him, people who worked with him, both, you know, during his wrestling career and after. And to a man and a woman, everyone has, you know, just talk about how great a man he was and great father he was to a son. And, um, that's that's a blow it really is and um, you know he died saving a son if there's well there's no good way to go really but you know saving your son's life is you know pretty damn heroic and you know we salute him for that, and, you know, prayers and condolences for his family, and there is a, actually, um, there is a link, or there's a thing you can go to and donate some money to his family, uh, i sure there's some other people taking up some donations and whatnot. Um so who knows? I mean they they I mean I don't know what his financial situation was but I mean some help was always needed. And uh It sucks. Man, it sucks. You know like I always say I don't have any magic words to make everything all better and I don't this time either so I'm not going to try but you know um Shad I didn't know you I and I never had the you know, pleasure of watching you you know work in the ring but you know just judging by what all was said about you you know, you're a great man, and great father. And uh, to his family, my condolences and my prayers for your, you know, healing over time. It's not going to happen right away. You know, um, but I hope and pray that, you know, you, for your strength to get through this and, to. Uh, Gets them to get through it. And, uh, well, there's a real good way to move on from that. But, you know, that's it for this week. And, uh, next week, not sure what I'm going to get to yet. Uh, apparently there's a, Lance Armstrong, 30 for 30, coming, I think, on Sunday, if I watch that, I'll maybe say a few words about it, and it was just announced that they're going to be doing a nine-hour documentary for Tom Brady, and that got kind of panned on Twitter, because, you know, don't know that there are nine hours worth of <coughs> in-depth stuff like the way there was with, you know, Jordan and the Bulls, but we'll see. We'll see. And, um, so with that, you know, if, um, to the families of, you know, soldiers who've lost their lives, you know, um, well, I won't say happy Memorial Day because, you know, it's not a happy day. <laughs> I mean, but, <clears throat> you know, um, have a safe, and relax relaxing and memorable Memorial Day yeah and be safe out there everybody I know that you know a lot of these states are opening stuff back up that don't mean it's safe for you to be out there carrying on like like it was 2019 so you know You got to look out for yourselves on this one. You also look, I mean, get some good, solid advice, do some good, you know, on whether or not it's safe for you to do the stuff you've been thinking about doing. But, you know, my advice, my advice to you remains the same. You know, don't go anywhere. You don't have to stay home, stay safe. And take care of yourselves, take care of each other and God bless you guys. love you guys, and Houdini will take us out with probably their biggest hit ever the one if there's one Houdini song that you ever listen to, it's gonna be this one. It should be this one, and till then. Until until next time. y'all take care.